1 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. I was thinking as they were playing for nearly 26 years, the Lord has used my wife and myself and as the children would come along later to minister to people. And it seems for so many years that you get almost caught up in ministering. Nothing makes sense to you. You're always in the gear of giving out and giving out and giving out and giving out. And I'm just saying this morning, it's just a blessing to be ministered to. And you were just ministered to by song and by just some very skillful playing. And that's a real blessing. And uh, whew, that helped. So Happy New Year. You made it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we made it. First Corinthians chapter 11, when you find it, would you stand? I really appreciate how the atmosphere and tone has been set already for the preaching. And we're going to go into the Lord's Supper here. And we normally do this on an evening. And for whatever reason, the Lord allowed me to do it in the morning, and we slow it down a little bit, and uh, I don't know if you have anywhere to go, but we might be here a few minutes longer than normal, but I pray that it'll be exactly what you need this morning. We, try to, we won't be here too long. Don't get too excited yet. Amen. Preacher is often governed by his own stomach. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 11, I'd like to read just one verse. And then after I read this verse, Brother Jared, if you would ask the Lord's blessing in the preaching. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Brother Jared. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know if we got our inch yet, but it's getting close. If you would be mindful, keep Brother Reagan in your prayers. He uh, is feeling better. He got some pretty strong antibiotics, as you saw in the, the prayer chain notice. But knowing Brother Reagan like I do, he's in the pulpit this morning. And uh, so you keep praying for Brother, uh, Brother Reagan there. He's a... God's really using him in quite a way down there in South Lyon. He has a very, very unique ministry, very unique. And after I think he's closing on 15 years, the Lord's really uh, throttled that thing up. And uh, so I pray that you pray for him. Of course, we got some friends of ours as well. Uh, keep praying for the weavers. They would love to be here, but they just can't. And I, if you keep my mother in prayer too with her, her hand there with the surgery, but we are a small church family, but nevertheless, we're family. And when you're not here, I miss you. Uh, it's, I don't get on you. I just miss you when you're not here. So, Oh, be in prayer for, uh, many of you know Dr. Bill Grady. Uh, he's written a number of books. Uh, he's a Bible believer, but his son was killed in a tragic car accident. His son was for, uh, named Dan. He was 46 years old. So just, just a year younger than my wife and I, but uh, had children, actually had uh, a couple of grandchildren. So you pray for the Grady family. They're going to have the funeral uh, January 4th. 
So you pray for the Grady family and uh, lots to consider this morning. But if you're here this morning, then no doubt you wanted to be here and you wanted to start things right. Amen. And what, what a better place to be than in church. And if you couldn't be here, like we talked about those few that couldn't be here, no doubt you're here with us in spirit. <laughs> and you're live streaming with us this morning. But uh, here it is, the beginning of a brand new year. And one, one of the greatest attributes of the Lord that I'm constantly reminded of is He allows for changes. He allows for U-turns. Uh, I think about over there in the book of Jonah, is it chapter 2, it starts off, and the Lord, word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. <laughs> and isn't he a God of second chances? And third and fourth and fifth and all the rest. But it's a blessing to me to see that the Lord lets us make changes in the middle of our life. He lets us make changes at the beginning of a brand new year. So like I said, if you're here this morning, I believe you want to be here and you want to start things off. You want to start the week off right. Amen. And you want to start the year off right. And I think that's really important to do. It's important whether or not you made New Year's resolutions. Uh, I'm all for it if they're good resolutions and you're able to stick with it. You know, the problem, I believe, with much of Christianity, much of Bible-believing Christianity today, is they scoff so much at the world's way of attaining things that they never set any goals. And the old sales supervisor that I had said this, if you always do what you always done, you always get what you always got. And I don't know about you, but I'm not happy with my Christianity. I need to go farther with Jesus Christ. I need to get closer to Jesus Christ. There are some things that I need to work out of this flesh this year. There are some changes that I have to make. And if I don't put pressure on those, if I don't set some attainable goals, whatever they might be, I'm just going to be the same individual I was this last year. I'd like to take our passage today and before we get to the Lord's Supper in a time and a place we really as a church, we really enjoy and we slow it down. But I'd like to give you some things, I believe, right through the passage which you find the Lord's Supper that will help you start off right this year. And it's found right in the text. We're not going to try to make them up. We're not going to try to do some grandioso thing. We're just going to say, hey, you know what? This is the passage where we find great fellowship and communion by observing the Lord's Supper. And here are some things that apply to me that if I work on these, that I can actually start the year off right. And there's, you know, many things that if you don't start something right, you're usually prone to not finish right. And the one, only one thing greater than starting right, I'd like to finish right. I'd like to, wherever the end of my life is, wherever the end of the road is, I'd like my family to be able to look back and say, well, <laughs> he had his issues, <laughs> but you know what? He finished right. And I believe a lot of it hinges upon whether or not I'm willing to look at myself and start right and make the changes necessary in my life, the actions that have to take place. I'm not talking about what I wish somebody else would do, what I wish the church would do, how I wish they would elevate me, or how I wish they would treat me better, but things in my own life that need to change. And I believe if we look at the things in the passage here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it'll help us start out right. Can I give you just a couple this morning here? Number one, uh, this morning you can start your new year right by first of all, right here in verse 1, by following the right things. By following the right things. The Bible says in verse 1, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 
Amen? So first and foremost, uh, I understand the context of the verse, but the most important thing you need to understand this morning is you need to learn to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? You need to stop following the world, stop following your flesh, and stop following the devil. You need first and foremost, I have decided to follow Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My eyes have to be on Jesus Christ this year. But even, even also in this passage, the context of this is Paul says, Be ye followers of me. He's saying, look, God is using me to deliver a message that he's given nobody else. And you need to listen and you need to follow me. That's the Apostle Paul. Can I say this? You need to not only follow Jesus Christ, but in your Bible and in your doctrine, you need to follow Paul this year. You need to be careful that you don't get sucked in by this uh, tele-evangelism theology and this, this TBN philosophy and this TCT and this garbage that you hear on certain radio stations and this gross uh, positivity that's going to lead you away from Pauline doctrine. And many times in our lives we're so positive about everything that we fail because we refuse to see the negative. The negative is this, I am a sinner and if I don't keep my fellowship with Jesus Christ right, then I'm going to be in a mess. If you remember Gideon, Gideon was approached by the angel of the Lord and he said, Oh, thou mighty man of valor, so forth and so on. And Gideon's hiding. He's threshing wheat. He's afraid of the Amorites there. And, and, uh, and, the Lord, and Gideon's like, If I'm such a great guy, and how come the, the Lord's not blessing us? The first response that Gideon had to his situation was negative. And until you see the things in your life that are negative, you'll never be able to embrace the positive. The fact of the matter is you're here this morning, there are things in your life that aren't right. If you're going to follow right, if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, if you're going to follow Pauline doctrine, you have to recognize there are things in your life that must change. So follow Jesus Christ first and foremost. Follow Paul in your doctrine. But not only that, but follow the preacher in your local church. See, you and I live in a very unhinged generation. A hundred years ago, uh, the church was very important. Fifty years ago, this local church was important. Not just this local churches, but local churches everywhere was important. It was a place not only of family, not only of fellowship, and friends came together and they heard preaching, but people came together to get something done for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Christianity, for whatever reason, you can call it the degeneration of society. You can call it that uh, nobody likes church anymore because there's so many other cool things to do. But now church is just like an afterthought. I'm not here getting on you. Remember, if you're here today, I know you want to do right. You want to start off right. But even 50 years ago, when I was just a wee lad, this church was important. People would come together by the groves. There used to be people that sat on both the front rows. Now, look, I understand Baptists are good for wanting the back row, and that's fine. Y'all are like middle Baptists. You know, you kind of sit in the middle there. Amen. It's like an evolutionary process. But anyways, I always had to sit on the front row because as a kid, I'd get in trouble, and the old man was right there to squeeze my shoulder and put me in such that, you know, Vulcan death grip that you just wish for the rapture. But for whatever reason, things are changing. Would you agree? And they're not changing for the better, are they? I think you and I both have enough common sense to realize that 
things are not changing for the better. So while we watch the change, the degeneration of society, the woke culture, the cancel culture rise up in front of you, you need to keep in mind that if you're going to do right and start right, you have to follow the right things. You have to follow Jesus Christ. Make up your mind today. I'm following Jesus Christ this year. I'm going to follow Paul and my doctrine, and I'm going to follow the preacher in that local church because I want to get something done for Jesus Christ. Never forget that the local church is a physical representation of the spiritual body of Christ. Aren't you glad that once you got saved, you're always saved? Amen. We ain't got to go into that here, and that a blessing. Some people do. There are some preachers in pulpits today that they're not even sure that they're saved. And can you imagine sitting behind a, uh, in, in a congregation and listening to some fellow that doesn't even know if he's saved? You'd almost be better to go see a show, not that I'm condoning it. But things are changing and things are no longer important. But you have to realize not only is the local church a spiritual representation, a physical representation of the spiritual body of Christ, but you have to remember that if you're going to follow the right things, if you want to do something for Jesus Christ, you have to remember that the local church is the vehicle in which God gets it done. If you're here outside of the local church trying to affect your will for Jesus Christ, it will not profit. You say you're kind of driving a hard bargain. No, that's just old-time religion. Is what the, That's the Bible. God chose the local church. God didn't choose the local church for one hour a week to entertain you. You want entertainment, you got Netflix, Hulu, you got uh, Prime Video, you've got Disney Plus, you've got uh, whatever your cable subscriber is. You can entertain yourself, but we're not talking about entertainment. We're talking about follow the right things. You follow Jesus Christ. You follow Paul and your doctrine. And here Paul says, follow me. I'm putting it on you this morning. You say, preacher, what you're saying is we're supposed to follow you as a follow Jesus Christ you are. Amen. I'm not ashamed to say it either. He says, well, we ain't going to follow no man. Well, then you won't do anything for Jesus Christ, you stinking rebel. Amen. But follow Jesus Christ, follow Paul, follow the preacher in the local church, refuse to follow the world. You ought to just put, you ought to go on strike against your flesh this year. Just wake up in the morning and go, not only are you ugly, not only does your breath stink, but I ain't listening to a word you say. But then brush your teeth and comb your hair, amen? Let me move past that one this morning. I want to be as brief as I can. Number two here, if you want to start the year off right, here's something that we don't do very much of. Look at verse two. You can do it by starting to give people some credit. I'm not talking like Visa or MasterCard or giving them money. If you, if you want to get rid of somebody, give them some money. You'll never see them again, amen? But look at verse 2. Paul says, Now I praise you, brethren. That's all I want to grab out of that verse. If you want to start your year off right, just start giving people some credit. Start giving some credit where it's due. Stop thinking that you're the only a person that needs some credit. Now you might this morning, and I'm going to try to give it to you. I commend you for being here. You know what I'm doing? I'm giving you credit. Why? You're here. What a blessing it is. You know, the dumbest thing I could do, one of the dumbest things as a preacher, is get up here and complain how few people are here today. Well, that's just so counterproductive, it's ridiculous. But we need to start the year right, and one of the ways, I'm just giving you some thoughts this morning, that's all they are, take it or leave it, right? Like it or lump it, take it to the river and dump it, I don't care what you do with it, but just maybe start giving some people some credit instead of always looking for it. 
Paul says, now I praise you, brethren. He lists a number of things there. But you know what happened with the Corinthians? They remembered Paul. They were kind to Paul. You know, I want to give you some credit this morning. You gave my wife, I, and my family a wonderful card, Christmas card, with some money in it. You want to make a preacher smile, put money in it. There's more of a blessing in them that you've ever known. And it was able to help our family have maybe a little bit of a Christmas. I really appreciate it. Praise the Lord for why. You're feeling the pinch just as much as I am. Amen. What a blessing it is. Thank God for you. You didn't have to, but you did. No one held a gun to your head. Um, they did, you didn't, brother, did you? <laughs> okay, you just had to get that straight. But they remembered Paul, and they were kind to Paul. In verse 2, you know what they did? They kept the ordinance that Paul said to keep. And you know what Paul did? Paul just gave him some praise. He gave him some credit. Wouldn't it be a great way to start the year? Just start, go ahead, and give some people some of your credit. Some of you have great credibility among yourselves. You're very skillful in what you've accomplished and what you've done. You're very confident in the manner in which you live and your Christian life. It's okay to go ahead and give others credit. It's okay. I know that's contrary to what the world teaches. The world teaches you what's in it for me. The world teaches you just, just wait. Uh, you're going to have a breakthrough moment. Stop it. Go give someone some credit. Tell them they're doing a great job. Go shake their hand. Say, hey, man, it's real good to see you. Instead of waiting, no one told me they were happy to see me. Well, maybe because you look like you're about ready to bite your head off. I don't know. Just go give them some credit. Just be kind. When they walk in the door, notice them. Instead of going to church, going, I wonder if they'll notice my haircut. No preacher will not notice your hair falling out. You see, the world has trained us. They have recalibrated our thinking to, to think that everyone's looking at us. Everyone ain't looking at you. Aren't you glad? But maybe you ought to just give a little bit of credit to other people. I think it'd help the body of Christ. Really would. I'm telling you what, the day and age in which you and I live in, it is extremely therapeutic. It's very comforting when someone comes and they edify you. There are some of you in here that are under such extreme pressure that the wrong thing said might, can I say, trigger you? And maybe we just need to, hey, it's really good to see you. I know it's hard for you to get here. I know it's still snowing out, but thank God you came. I notice you've been here. I notice you come more often. Praise the Lord. Keep up the good work. Keep on keeping on. Don't quit. So thankful for you. Say, well, it's just, uh, yeah, I know, it's not your nature. <laughs> you said, I mean, it's not natural for you and I to give credit. That's why you got to work on it. You ask the Lord to give you the grace to do it. Let's move on to number three here. Also in verse three, you want to start your year off right. Can I just challenge you? You've got to keep remembering God's order. Keep remembering God's order. And in verse 3, Paul goes into this discourse. He said, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Again, like following the right thing, Christ must be first no matter what. That's God's order. Jesus Christ must be first. You remember what uh, that slave, that old Hebrew slave said over in Exodus 21 verse 5? You know why he wouldn't leave? When his seven years was up on the seventh year, 
He said, I love my master. Christ is first. The master must be first. That's God's order. You've got to remember God's order this year. Some, you, know, you know what some of your problem was last year, some of my problem is things were just out of order. It's so easy to let things get out of order. For whatever reason, things get going so fast and you allow things to be out of order for one day and it takes a week to get the thing turned back around. Your family doesn't come first. I know many of you think it does. It should be Jesus Christ. If, let me say this. If you don't put Jesus Christ first, you will try to put everything else in its place. That's why they had to invent focus on the family and focus on the female and focus on our finances and focus on this. Why? Because we've no longer focused on Jesus Christ. And when you take your eyes off of Jesus Christ and you stop remembering his order, verse 3, he lays it out clearly, then all of a sudden, you're down here. If you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above and our focus is out of whack. And now we're down here, we're focusing on the family, we're focusing on finances, and we're focusing why our church isn't growing. Maybe God don't want it to grow. Maybe God wants you to grow. I don't know, you look around and see the, the way this country is going. I'm thankful to see everyone who came. What a blessing. What a blessing. You say, don't you wish the pews were full? Well, maybe if the pews were full, we'd have ten times the problem we got now. <laughs> you push, 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 push for growth, and then you got people you don't want there. As far as I know, everyone here today wants to be here. That's a blessing, but Christ's got to be first. Christ has got to be first. You've got to remember God's order. And in the home, the Lord put the man over the woman. Amen. No, it's not a sin to say that. It's biblical. But see, what trips everyone's trigger right now is, well, you're sexist. No, that's, that's the Lord. That's the Bible. I will not apologize for that. That doesn't mean you step on the woman. That doesn't mean a woman's inferior. It just means there is a natural order in which God set up, and Christ is the head of every man. The man is ahead of every woman <clears throat> concerning that marriage relationship. So goes God, man, woman, child. Sorry, kids, you're out. <laughs> it's you and the cat or something. You say, oh, I'm a child. I have rights. You have the right to obey your parents and shut your mouth. Amen. That's a blessing, ain't it? Well, oh, that's right, preacher. Then tell your kids to shut up. Amen. <laughs> Christ must be first. The Lord put the man over the woman. And in 1 Peter 5, 2, the Lord put the pastor over the local church. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 2, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. That preacher, whoever God calls that pastor and deals with, he's supposed to take the oversight willingly, not because, well, if I don't, no one will do it. That's the right order. You, the pastor takes the oversight. He doesn't have it handed to him. It's his because God said, take it. It's yours. It doesn't get run by the deacons. It doesn't get run by, you know, the, the, all the king's horses and all the king's men and all the king's business, right? You still, we're still in the Bible, right? That's not how the world does it. That's not how Baptist churches do it, correct? Now, either we're going to be Bible believers or we're going to be Bible pretenders. And either Christ is the head of man and the man's the head of the woman and the pastor's the head of the church, or we're just going to go home and watch the Smurfs. You like that, right? Where did the Smurfs come from? I don't, I don't know. It just kind of popped up there in my head there. That's old, yeah. 
I'm trying to help you have a good new year. Remember God's order. Let me give this one. We'll go to verse 16. Verse 16. You want to start your new year off right? Maybe you should consider stop fussing over things that don't matter. Verse 16. Stop fussing over things that don't matter. Paul says, but if any man seem to be contentious, he is a Baptist. I mean, no. We have no such custom, neither the churches of God. In the context, you know Paul's discussing from verse 4 to 16? Women's hair length. Oh, man, here we go. How many heard that as a kid if you had short hair and you must have been a lesbian or something like that? Or a dyke? Y'all look like you just threw up in your mouth because I said that. Excuse me. Yay. You know, Paul says 12 verses. You still with me? Y'all like, I can't believe the preacher said that. What? what? Plain talk, wrong? Not perverse talk. For 12 verses, Paul discusses women's hair length. Right? He says uh, uh, her, her hair is her covering. Her hair is her glory, right? And how she's supposed to... This is in Corinth, right? That's the direct context. But look at verse 16. All the Bible believers miss verse 16. He says, but... He's now given 12 verses of instruction for the women in Corinth and the men. If any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. You know what he just said? I've given you some great stuff, but if you do it different, buzz it off. I don't care. What are you saying? Stop fussing this year over things that don't matter. You know what doesn't matter? Stinking hair length. I don't care if you don't have long hair. Ladies, it's a little weird when the men have long hair. A little weird, I mean, but whatever. You want to look like Michael J. Fox, help yourself. I don't care. You want to look like Michael Landon? Somewhere in the 50s and 60s, this whole high and tight thing became theology, cemented in stone. Have you gone back about two generations? A lot of the men had long hair. I'm, look, preacher says we. No. I'm saying stop your fussing over what don't matter. Hair length doesn't matter. Some of you gals don't want to mess with your hair. Chop it. I don't care. Just do it. <laughs> I don't know. Just comb it. Spray it. I don't care what you do. I don't even care if you don't do it. Just come and we'll thank God you're here. Why? It don't matter. You really think when we get raptured out of here... The Lord's going to go, oh, all the ladies that had long hair. I mean, like the preacher said, long hair. They get to sit closer to me at the marriage. <laughs> Whatever. You know what doesn't matter? Now, some of you are mad at me. I don't care. Hair length don't matter. Hemline don't matter. I said hemline don't matter. Why are you worried about what someone's wearing? Unless you've got a problem with your stinking heart. Why don't you worry about what you wear? You've got to make a choice today. What kind of Christian am I going to be in 2023? Am I going to be one that gets caught up in how long a woman's hair is? What a woman should wear? How about this? Are you going to get caught up in what you would wear and what you wouldn't wear? You know why it's quiet? Because some of you are thinking about it. Because some of you are caught up in the stuff that... Don't make a row of pins! I'm trying to help you have a good New Year. Stop fussing over things that don't matter. 
Well, I have a personal conviction. Fine, it's personal. That means it's to you and it's to your family. Shut up about it. It don't matter. I don't care if you think everyone should wear long uh, britches or short britches or no britches or whatever you're going to. I don't care what you think about it. Stop fussing over things that don't matter and please the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll help you in 2023. It'll lighten your blood pressure up a little bit. Well, I just wouldn't go where they go. Then don't go there then. Stop fussing about it. Well, I saw them there at, uh, I saw them, I saw them at Applebee's. Well, going to pay their bill then. You know how terrible that food is? I'm telling you what, man. <laughs> you see what I mean? There's a lot of things in the Christian life that don't matter. I'm trying to help you out. You know what Paul said? After 12 verses that God kept in Scripture about a woman's hair length and how if a man have long hair, even nature itself tells him it's... And after all that, and it's good stuff, Paul's like... Yeah, but if you've got a different way to do it, help yourself. Right? You see that in 16? We have no custom, neither the what? Churches of God. It's not a church mandate that you dress like I do. Ain't that a blessing? I'm trying to help you. Some of y'all fuss over stuff that don't matter. Some of you are like, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe it. What are you fussing about it for? Just let it go. Stop worrying about it. Stop fussing over things. You know what matters? Eternity. You know what matters? The judgment seat of Christ. You think because you wouldn't go to Applebee's or you wouldn't shop at Walmart because someone supports the queers, you think that's really going to matter in eternity, Papa? You really think that's going to matter, a, you know, a bunch of beans? It ain't. Everywhere in this world supports the sodomites. What you going to do? Stay at home? I'm going to order off Amazon. Amazon supports the queers. Spoiler! Well, then uh, I'm, I'm just going to get in my Chevy. Chevy supports the queers. Chevy owns all the soft pornography in the world. And the hotels. Looks like you have to buy your horse. Get your saddle. Giddy up. I'm just trying to say, look. If you're, <laughs> you can put yourself in this little box. Amen. And you're going to be just, you know, us four and no more. And we're just doing everything right. And, you know, you have short hair, ladies. So, man, you got the plague. I'm thinking, good night. If they had, some of them ladies had long hair, it'd be worse than short hair. Yeah. Some of you men have no hair. Aren't you glad? <laughs> I have no trouble doing my hair in the morning. Trying to help you. Stop fussing over things that don't matter. How about this? Let me give you number five here. I've got to move on. We want to get into Lord's Supper. Really trying to help you this morning. Give you some practical things that will help you this year. Give some people some credit. Remember God's order. Just stop fussing over things that really don't matter. You can't change your family. Stop fussing over them. You can't change your spouse. Stop fussing over them. It don't matter. Change you. You get you right. And you let the Lord deal with your family. You let the Lord deal with your spouse. Amen? Amen. Let me give you number five. You want to start the new year off right? Look at verse 18. You need to stay on guard against division in the local assembly. You need to stay on guard against division in the local assembly. The Bible says in verse 18, For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. <laughs> Paul's like, oh yeah, a bunch of Baptists, you know. I believe it. 
I'm just saying if you want to start the year out, you've got to stand guard against divisions in the local assembly. Well, there's different types of divisions. I'll just name them real quick. You've got doctrinal divisions. You see that in verse 18 there and 19, talking about heresy. Doctrinal divisions, Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. You hear some sucker come in here trying to preach some kind of uh, uh, heretical doctrine like hyper-dispensationalism, like you ain't got to confess your sins no more after you got saved. You better stand against it. You better guard against it. You hear someone sneaking in the back door and whispering in your sweet little ear and, and how, you know, the preacher, he's just a ruckmanite and all that. Help yourself. Help yourself. You, you, little, you, you punk is what you are. You better stand on guard against division in the local assembly when it comes to doctrinal things. That's why you got to keep Paul first. If you're not Pauline in your doctrine, you'll be led away with good words and fair speeches. And someone will catch your ear and go, well, you know, that preacher, he's not very nice. And, and you know, so he doesn't always speak real nice. And uh, really, uh, I don't believe in all the divisions. He's, help yourself, man, but you better stand on guard against doctrinal divisions. Not only that, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, you see there's a house. It's the house of Chloe. And you know what Chloe's problem is? He's got problems, with, he's got problems in the local church. Divisions. There's contentions. You got to you got to stand guard not only doctrinal divisions but then you got family divisions and if you're not careful you get one family against the other. I've seen it. It's competition. You get over there in Philippians, what is it, chapter two or something like that, verse four? You got two gals, Euodius and Syntyche or Syntyche or whatever she, whatever whatever her name is, or however the fire you say that thing, and they're fighting with each other in the church. Imagine that two ladies in a church fighting. I just, I can't, I can't fathom that. Can you, Brother Jared? I, I just never heard of that day in my life. I'm joking, of course. <laughs> Thank you, sis. I appreciate it. I was like, oh, I got the death stare here, you know. Guys, you got to watch out for that competitive division. Oh, just, oh, you know, oh, my preacher's wife, she wore whatever she wore. And I got to wear something like that, too. Preacher, my wife, she likes these wraps, you know. And uh, I was thinking I was going to go get her one that looks like a burrito, amen? But she wears all these nice wraps, and she just looks comfy and cozy all the time. You're not careful. You'll, you'll, get, you'll get sideways with somebody, and you'll see how they dress. And ladies, there's competition inside of each and every one of you. If you've not got that thing governed right, you'll dress to impress instead of dress the way God told you. You've got to watch that division. You've got to stand against doctrinal division. You've got to stand against familial division. And finally, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, one of the signs of a carnal baby Christian is strife, envy, and division. You need to stand against all types of division that are carnally related. What's that? Baby Christians who refuse to grow up. Let me tell you what, we're supposed to be adults if you're an adult here today. That means you're out of grade school. It means you're out of high school. Why do some of these Mickey Mouse things pop back up in the local church the way they do? I just think that, well, it wasn't very nice what he said. It wasn't very nice what she, Mickey Mouse, hey, grow up. Fight those carnal divisions. And now I'm not going to talk to you, and you're not going to talk to me, and you sit on that side, and we'll sit on this side, and this side says amen more than that side does. And Oh, really? I'm just saying you want to start your, your just stay on guard against divisions in the local church. Stay on guard. Well, preacher, I, I never really had any problem with divisions. Oh, okay, well, this is your year then, bud. It's going to come. Well, I just think you make too big of a deal about division. Okay. That's not what the last eight years of history has told us. You listening? 
or are you burying your cotton picking head in the sand? The last eight years of God working and saving souls and seeing things done and people helped and people restored says there are divisions that happen every single year and you have to stay on guard against it. Doctrinal, family related, carnal related. Let's move on. Last but not least this morning as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, trying to tone the thing down a little bit. You want to make sure if you can get your year started right, you need to make sure your communion or your fellowship is right with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that you and I can do that is found right here in the text. And that's by observing the Lord's Supper. That's how you can make sure your communion's right. That's how you can make sure your fellowship's right. Now look, this is not a sacrament. This is not a religious experience. This is a time and place. Let me show you just a couple things about this communion. First of all, it's observed in the local church. You don't sit here unless you're in a third world country doing something uh, under threat of death or someone's going to come and take you to jail. This is done in the local church. Look at verse 33. Paul says, Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. Why? It's for the Lord's Supper. It's done in the local assembly. Not only that, but the symbols of the local assembly, they're symbols. The bread and the juice, they represent in type the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 23 to 25. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 25, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the symbols are the, are the bread and the juice, and they represent a picture of the, uh, the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now the purpose of this communion is to remember Jesus Christ. Look at verse 25. We just read that. You're supposed to remember Jesus Christ. And, verse 26, to shew the Lord's death till he come. You stop and daily think about the death of the Lord Jesus Christ? I know I'm just so wicked and carnal enough, I have to pray that constantly. Matter of fact, we're creatures of habit, many of us. We sit in the same place. We park in the same place. We have our favorite chair. We have our favorite channel. We have our favorite foods. We have our favorite clothes. And we'll wear those things out before we wear three of the same kind we got in the closet. Aren't we? Creatures of habit. Creatures of habit. But the purpose is to remember the Lord's death till he comes. And I'm just such a bad individual at that thing. Most every time I pray, I try to start that prayer out with, Lord, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for your death. Say, why? I want to stay mindful. I don't want to get too far from Calvary. I don't want to become ungrateful for what he did. I know I am during the day, but when I go to the throne, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for shedding your blood for me. Man, you didn't have to. I should be in hell with gasoline. But thank you for Calvary. And the purpose of that is not only to remember the Lord Jesus Christ, but there in verse, was it 26 or 27, to shew the Lord's death till he comes. And that's what we're going to try to do here. We're going to remember the Lord Jesus. This do in remembrance of me. 
and you do shew the Lord's death till he comes. There's something so powerful about Calvary. Not just the saving grace found at Calvary, but the grace that gives you the ability to overcome sin once you are saved. And one day you're going to be freed from that very presence of sin because of Calvary. You do shew the Lord's death till he comes. Are you thankful for his death? Are you grateful for his death? What a great way to start the year by being thankful for what he did for you at Calvary. We take it for granted. We think of everything in the world but what deeds to be thought about. He says in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do shoot the Lord's death till he come. You realize here in verse 28, there's only one prerequisite besides being saved. You listening this morning? If you're here today and you are not saved, you never trusted Jesus Christ your Savior, this ain't for you. This ain't for you. I'm saying if you're not saved, you're not 100% sure that heaven will be your home, this is not for you. But the only prerequisite in verse 28 is self-examination. You see that? What should I be thinking about here when the gals come and sing in a minute? You should be thinking about you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Am I right with Him? Is my heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood. Cleansed and made holy, humbled and lowly, right in the sight of God. Are you right with God this morning? Is your fellowship what it ought to be? You see, this is a great place for it. Great time for it. Jan 1, 2023. There'll never be another one again. And the only prerequisite is you self-judge yourself, you self-examine yourself, and when you find sin, okay, preacher, what do I do? Not only do you confess it, you judge it, you say, yes, Lord, thank you for showing me what I did the other day, last night, this morning. It's wrong. I judge it as wicked. Will you forgive me and help me to move on in fellowship with you? You confess it, you judge it, and you forget about it. That's 28. That's self-examination. That's the only prerequisite. And finally, there's a penalty connected when you don't take it right. Look at 29. The penalty for taking the Lord's Supper wrong, it's all physical. That's why it's important. It's all physical. Weakness, physical. Sickness, physical. Death, physical. When you take the Lord's Supper unworthily in verse 29, He judges you physically. He makes you weak. He makes you sick. And yes, the Bible's right. He even takes some people home early. That's the penalty for taking it wrong. Well, preacher, I, I don't want to take it wrong. I don't want you to take it wrong either. That's why when the Lord brought me here, they had the Lord's Supper every fifth Sunday. And on the fifth Sunday, this place filled up like Carter's bottle of liver pills. And then the other four, there wasn't hardly anybody here. What did you do? I stopped it. Why? I love the people of God. What happened? They got mad. Why? I took away their little religious experience, but I was saving their cotton-picking hides. Because you had a bunch of people taking the Lord's Supper and they had no idea why they were taking it. But you need to know, this is a great opportunity to start your year outright. In fellowship with Jesus Christ, the only prerequisite you have is to take time and self-examine yourself. And when the Holy Spirit shows you what's wrong, you confess it, you judge it, you forsake it, and then you partake of the Lord's Supper. It'll help you. What a way to start things off right. It's penalty for taking it uh, wrongly as weakness, sickness, and death. So as we begin to prepare for the Lord's Supper, let's now at this point, let's take the time 
for some self-examination. I've done a little preaching. I've tried to stir your pure minds up, and I believe you want to do right this morning, but let's take the time now. Let's take a few minutes. Let's take five, six, seven, eight, nine minutes, and just you and the Lord start to sing off right. The gals are going to come. Gals, you come. You begin to prepare to sing here, and as they sing, use the time. Use the time to self-examine and judge your own sin and get right with the Lord.